Hey everyone, we're going to pick up our conversation we recently had with Deborah Hancox. So if you have not listened to the first part of this conversation, go back and listen to the first part. This is part two of a two-part series. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to the Just Peace podcast that connects faith, development and justice. My name is Mathieu, and today I'm going to continue the conversation with Deborah Hancox, International Coordinator of MICA Global. One, one other modality maybe I would like to address or hear a little bit more is the representing part. We had bridging, equipping, now a third would be representing. Can you, can you explain what you meant by that? It it came through in the data to a lesser extent. It was very much not something that people really spoke about. In a way, it could be aligned to the word of witnessing, if we wanted to theologize it a bit more. But it's the sense that the CDO is quite often seen within society as being the church. Um, one informant spoke about this, uh, a, a government minister who'd come to the opening of one of their uh, venues and this government minister you know I don't know if he, he himself was a Christian or not it's not really relevant to the story but he said with great enthusiasm this is the church in action so you know it's 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 like CDOs are seen as Christian and people um, who are watching say ah oh, you know there's the church not just being a holy huddle there's the church actually making a difference in society and there's a sense of of representing um, the representing the church outside of the church and within society that the CDO is playing because you know we know that so much of what congregations do kind of happens behind closed doors often and it's not as visible. I know it's changing, but that that is to some extent the perception. All right. Um, then we have substituting. Let's continue with the fourth element. What would that refer to? That was came through in data um, that expressed that staff and volunteers within Christian development organizations often end up find, making the CDO their spiritual home. It can be almost a primary spiritual home before a congregation. So whilst the CDO leaders did say that they do encourage their staff to be, you know, active members of a local congregation. The reality is, is because they're really working together and it is a spiritual community, the CDO does in quite a few cases start to substitute um, for the congregation, for staff and volunteers. That's that's just right. that's just the okay. observed reality. Yeah, yeah, and and this, and again, like my thought is immediately like, did this not cause any problems? Like, I can totally see um, that this is happening. I think it's 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 natural and it's also good. Um, but but in terms of the relationship to congregations, was there any kind of did, 
do you feel this this created at times like different dynamics, difficult dynamics between the two entities, or or not necessarily? Was it more seen as complementary? And I'm glad that these people kind of found also spiritual home within the CDO. Look, I didn't dig too much beneath the surface on this, but um, I I I wouldn't want to say too much. But I think that I think that what you find, in fact. What I observed is that, and this is also outside of my research, what I've just observed in working in this field, is that that quite often people who work in CDOs will continue to have a formal commitment within a congregation, but it is often the CDO that becomes, if you like, their primary um, spiritual community, even though there's a sense of still being part of a congregation as well. Um, I think ideally we, we should be able to see, we should be able to be part of multiple um, missional communities and see them as complementary rather than in competition. But I think it's not always the case. Yeah. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and the last one, the fifth one, becoming, um, what would that refer mm. to? That was only seen in, um, I think it was in about three of the 18 organizations that I researched. And it's this point at which the CDO has consciously taken a decision to become a Christian fellowship group or a congregation in some way. Um, none of the organizations, when they started out, set out to church plant or to start a congregation or whatever else. Um, it wasn't that sort of missional thrust of, of seeking to, um, you know, place churches in communities. But as a result, normally of frustration in that process we were talking about of having their beneficiaries um, find a spiritual home within a congregation, as a result of that element failing, they have become and decided to become Christian fellowships or congregations. And I think a key point there is when they start adding sacramental elements to what they're doing, for example, like baptism and communion and so forth. Um, and we're talking here, yeah, so so there's somehow a point at which they move over and they say, right, we are going to be that Christian uh, that Christian fellowship, that that place. We are going to become a de facto congregation, not just be a Christian development organization. We're no longer going to seek to place our beneficiaries, to lead our beneficiaries, guide them into a congregation because we've seen that fail so often. We're rather going to become that spiritual home where the people we're working with can continue um, to be part of us. Right. And, and maybe specifically this last point is becoming, I mean, as you describe it, it ha it happens usually over time, maybe not that intentionally. Or would you say some of these five relationship modalities, uh, as I call them, um, did, did they happen usually, would you say, naturally um, or unconsciously? Or are there sometimes also very clear strategies mm -hmm. by CEDOs to to foster a certain type of relationship with congregations or vice versa. 
But as I heard you say, the becoming part, at least, you describe it more as something that that, that happens uh, naturally in mm. a certain sense. Or, I, I would say of these five ways, these five modalities, that certainly equipping, you would find that within a strategic plan, you would find that within some of the programmatic work that is being planned and monitored and evaluated. The others, even the bridging um, and certainly the representing, the substituting, etc., they they are not so much to be found in the plans, in the strategies, in the funding, um, you know, in your budgets. They are things that are happening almost as alongside the core business of the activity of the organization. Um, mm-hmm. And and right. even the becoming, it's it, it in the organizations where it has happened, it's those organizations that tend to have very long-term relationships with the people that they are engaging. So people who perhaps, um, you know, have, have come out of a context of gangsterism or being in prison, people who have been living and working on the streets and are now moving out of that. It's it's people where they have they've had long term and deep relational ties that they then move into this sort of decision to say, okay, we, we are going to now become a community because otherwise, you know, what will become of the people that are now part of our community as it were. So even though that wasn't their intent. So I'd say it's only equipping that is very conscious. The others happen more out of the overflow of the work that is being done. Right. That makes sense. Um, and, and, and this, this long-term walking alongside each other. Um, I mean, I was just wondering for people who, who do not share a faith, uh, do not have a faith background or, or, um, look at this from an outside perspective did you also um perceive that uh, people were criticizing these types of relation these close connections between congregations and christian development organizations in terms of um yeah why do we do development should should development not be an end in itself shouldn't be how is it instrumentalized misused maybe for other ends especially when the faith factor comes what would you respond to people who like have have see this very critical, this blend or this close relationship between congregations and Christian development organizations? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, another complex relationship. On the other side, really, the relationship between the Christian development organization and, if you like, the secular or more professionalized development sector. I, th- I think on the, on the one hand, I just want, it's not directly speaking to your question, but I think... Um, how can I say, people, people, Christians, people, people in congregations, people who hear the call of God to go and respond to people who are in very difficult circumstances of poverty and justice and where there's a lot of division and fighting. I don't believe that congregations have done enough to equip and support um, people who have such callings and so what has happened so what 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 i've seen and um is that people with such callings have tended to step outside of the congregation and do it anyway because 
they have such a strong sense of calling from God to to work with a particular uh, community or a particular uh, group of people. And in seeking equipping and in seeking resourcing, they have, certainly this is a South African experience, they have found a a good partner in the development sector. They have found um, opportunities to be equipped. In a way, many Christians have fallen by chance into the development sector. They didn't choose to be development professionals. They fell into it because they were seeking equipping, they were seeking funding. And um, so I think the first point I'd like to make is that there's a lot of gratitude one would extend as a CDO to um, to the sort of secular development sector for the way in which often we have been included. There's always that tricky area where we're not to take money for development and use it to seek to um, encourage people to become Christians. So, you know, there's that sort of that issue. But um, I think it has often been a positive relationship between the CDO and the secular development sector. But on the other hand, there is the sense that um, Christian development is is holistic and that it's uh, more and we cannot be true to our sense of holistic mission or transformational development if we factor out relationship uh, with God and our own worldview and understanding and this is sometimes um, you know a little bit difficult but it's also to some extent changed in that, you know, since probably the early 2000s, there's been this recognition within secular development of the place of religion and um, religious worldviews. So while it is a little bit of a tricky dance between um, what what one might consider secular development versus faith-based and transformational development, um I think we we are to some extent managing, but we do need to be um, yeah be working within this holistic approach, and that's why quite a lot of the time elements of programs aren't written up, they aren't funded, they are just in the culture of the CDO um, that informs it, rather than um, yeah. I think so. I'm rambling on, but uh, maybe I answer your question to some extent. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good point. Um, and and I do think this conversation, yeah, changed probably in the last couple of years and is still ongoing. But um, it's uh, very interesting. Also, I guess your research can, yeah, adds to this conversation and and can provide some insight also to explain um how the relationship works between congregations and CDOs. And I was just wondering if, from all your research, from all your also practical experience. Um, is there what 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 key insight is there that you would want practitioners of of CDOs and the, as well of of secular NGOs to to understand and to apply in their daily work? Is there one thing that you felt is is probably uh, yeah the most important? Hmm. I think you know to, to the secular NGOs, um, and obviously that's a broad range. I would 
I would encourage them to in some way engage what is often seen as the black box of the FBO more deeply and not to just seek to instrumentalize religion and in our case, our faith of Christianity, but to seek seek to engage it and understand it and um, let us come into the conversations and work to our strengths. Let us uh, bring elements into development discourse that speak to um, you know the faith motivations of people, and I think really just to challenge also the myth of of secular development sometimes, which is itself a a faith system. Um, but I would rather want to extend an invitation to say, please engage with us as we seek to understand ourselves better and take this understanding of the CDO see how it can be useful to you and see us as partners within a broader um, a broader shared agenda to make the world a better place, particularly for people living in, in poverty and in situations of conflict and abuse and injustice. So, you know, get to know us better. Let us make ourselves known better and let's see how we can partner on so many shared agendas that we have. You know, we see it even this week at, at the COP26 where there are discussions underway and representation from faith-based and secular organizations. I think um, in terms of CDOs, recommendations coming out of the study, I think it's to, to – I would encourage CDOs to know themselves better to be able to understand their identities and to represent themselves both within the broader church context and also within the development context. And if it's useful to um, explore this use of the term Christian development organization or some identity that can you know, make themselves better known to themselves and to others. The, the other thing I would encourage CDOs to do is to is to understand and explore, uh, you know, literature related to mission and particularly, you know, we mentioned David Bosch in the beginning, so not necessarily David Bosch, but the whole body of writing about um, how we participate in God's mission and how God's mission is broad and holistic and integral and to be able to be confident in bringing that into the way in which we work. And I think this area of congregational relationships to prioritize seeking those out and seeking to build up those relationships within a local context and see how we can partner. I think also just to mention this, we didn't talk about it at all, but there's quite often a gender divide particularly at a grassroots level between, um, you know, congregational leadership being predominantly male and and um, certainly staffing of CDOs being in the South African context, but I think it's a global phenomenon, very strongly um, made up of women being a female-based. So there's also a gender issue at play that needs to be explored. But I would seek... I would say seek to build the better relationships between congregational leaders and CDO leaders at all levels. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you have a, a statement that 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 sums up also as well some of of the thoughts um, and insights. And and maybe I'm just going to read it. And I would just like to know <laughs> if you can give us some hints or ideas how how. Yeah, you mentioned now the gender divide, which I think is super important, is or is very concrete. Uh, but maybe you have other practical ideas also that people could take away um, of how we could uh, uh, could be could make this more a reality. This statement th- that I'm going to read now, and you refer to to Micah Global to the network and say as members of Micah Global. And as those involved in relief, development, and care, and advocacy, we must step forward and together bring our unique contribution to a post-Christendom, post-colonial church, so that the church might truly become more and more a sign, foretaste, and instrument of God's present and coming kingdom. I think this is a wonderful uh, statement, uh, an aspiration. Do you have? Um, do you think what would be the key? topics or ideas how this could become more a reality or i was also when i was reading i was also wondering do we should we stop just stop doing uh, at least some stuff in order not to be counterproductive would that be a start as well (laughs) Mm. i think to emphasize a more of a reality because quite quite obviously congregations and many CDOs around the world are already acting as those signs, those foretastes and those instruments of God's kingdom. So to firstly acknowledge that. But I think for me, and it also brings in other elements of the research that we haven't spoken about, which we won't speak about in this conversation, but it's to be able to, if you like, um, zoom out a little bit and start to conceptualize the church as more a community of missional communities. So rather than saying there's, you know, the church or the congregation and then everything else is parachurch, we have a very narrow view of the church. And it's to be able to open up and become more inclusive, not only of the CDO and the congregation. You know, we haven't even talked tonight of specific um, mission organizations or businesses that are missional or all sorts of other entities. Um, to, To be able to see the church as being made up of a great diversity of missional communities where we are to find those connections, those, you know, um, Paul talks about, you know, the ligaments that connect the parts of the body. I think we have the body parts, but we don't always recognize them all. And we certainly don't have particularly good ligaments connecting them. So if we can start to find ways to get to know one another better and to be more accepting of different parts of the body as being valid And I think from the Christian development perspective, for Christian development organizations to really make make a concerted effort to engage in um, conversations that say, what is the church and who is the church and what is it like, so that um, we end up with something which is a far more multifaceted, brilliant, sparkling body of Christ than than something which is perhaps 
quite one-dimensional when we when we think about church, but to think about it more as a full body and to see what is that part that we uniquely bring as organizations that are involved in relief development, care and advocacy. I quite often think that that we are like a missional arrowhead because um, you know we and the members of MICA Global are those who are engaged in the issues that really break God's heart and where you know that compassion encountering trauma as I, as I described it um, elsewhere is taking place and that has to be the formation the formative point of the body of Christ is compassion and that encounter with the world and um, how that takes place and so many Christian development organizations are doing that and it needs to come into our understanding of of how we see the church to and how the church is formed around that compassion and around that um, you are reaching out to to the world perfect um let me close with just a question this podcast is called just peace podcast and as you as i listen to you talking about the yeah the broad body of christ and 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 the church of course it's also um our hope that um cdos and and, and congregations can um can work toward the just peace and i was just wondering what do you understand or what comes to my to your mind when you when you hear the word just peace <laughs> it's obviously that play on words isn't it it's like just peace but it's also it's also just peace and um i think that so long as people are in the world are suffering so long as there is there's poverty there's division there's inequality there are parts of the body we we cannot truly say that we are at peace or there is peace we cannot be at peace with with that situation we must be those who are restless and dissatisfied but at the same time we we do it in a way which submits to the lordship of christ knowing that it's it's ultimately christ who will bring about the kingdom and that we are to cooperate with it so it's this this funny sort of um sense of lack of peace and discontent whilst at the same time submitting to the lordship of christ in the sense of um following his ways in bringing about his peace and his kingdom Thank you, Deborah, for for uh, your time and for sharing a little bit about your your work with Micah Global and and giving us some some I think some inspiration to ideas, uh, also challenging challenging thoughts how uh, how the relationship between CDOs and and congregations um, could look like. Thanks for for being here. Well, thanks so much for having me, and um, yeah, I look forward to listening to your future podcasts, Mathieu. Thank you for all that you're doing to, to promote just peace. Here we go. This was episode three with Deborah Hancocks. I hope you enjoyed it. 
I'm going to talk in the next episode with uh, Dave Buklos. He is the theological director of Arosha International. And we're going to talk about Christian faith and climate action. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, visit the website justpeacepodcast.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay tuned.